0: Hi everybody, it's Bob Tulio. Welcome to Automatic Merchandisers, Vending and OCS Nation, the podcast for the convenience services industry. I counted them up. This is our 25th episode since we launched in March of 2023. Today we are bringing you the best of 2023 at Vending and OCS Nation, featuring some of the most interesting comments and insights from our podcasts, from operators and suppliers that we heard this year. So sit back, pour an eggnog, turn off the volume on that completely insignificant bowl game, plenty of those available, and enjoy a good listen. Here is the best of 2023. In our very first podcast, I offered three business development strategies that were designed for 2023. As it turns out, not surprisingly, these strategies will work just fine in 2024. So you might want to listen to the whole episode. But here is one valuable bit of advice on business development that I offered right out of the gate in Episode 1. Instead of beating the bushes, cold-calling prospects, making as many calls in a day as you can, and knocking on doors which are almost always closed to you today, let the new business opportunities come to you. Be prepared to spend some money on business development and make a commitment to pay-per-click search engine advertising. Not the hocus-pocus keyword approach of SEO, search engine optimization, but pay-per-click advertising where you're buying the one, two, or three position using a specific search term like coffee service, office coffee, vending, and micro-markets. And you will be at the very top of the search engine all the time, one, two, or three, on Google, Yahoo, and Bing, With Google being the most important of all. I mostly got off the soapbox after that episode and we began to focus on several topics such as, are we making equitable deals? Here's some advice from Matthew Marsh of First Class Vending. I asked Matthew, what do you tell your salespeople about making equitable deals?
1: Don't be afraid to walk away from bad business. Now, any vendor that's out there just undercutting pricing these days to get the business, have we done it? Everybody's done it. Sure. Is it a good business practice? No, we try not to do that anymore. Look, we can all for the most part get the same product. We can all get the same equipment. What makes us different? Service, well,
0: service component, of course. Service Absolutely. component.
1: Right. So do you pay for good service or do you pay for bad service? And this is something you need to explain to the clients. Look, you want service. When your machine breaks down, you want someone to come out in three days or you want someone to come out in three hours? Sure. That, you know. So all we're trying to do is be profitable enough to make a little bit of money and take care of you. So right. if it's not equitable, I say don't take it. The clients are getting smarter. They like to play us all off of each other and they're all trying to squeeze that dime and they're all trying to get us cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. If our industry would go out there and say
0: no, guess what? They wouldn't have a choice. We talked to consultant and a trailblazer for women in the industry, Sandy Schoenthaler, about walking the walk and talking the talk.
2: I believe in walk the walk and talk the talk, right? So to this day, just two weeks ago, I had an employee um, for a company I was working for in Houston challenge the amount of machines he was filling in a given day. And I said, here, give me your keys. And he looked at me and he goes, an old lady like you is going to do this? And I said, oh, I will run circles around you. And he, he just, I said, just sit and watch today. And it was, you know, just teaching him that basically organization and, and, and the mental mindset change. This is how it can be done and this is how you can be successful and things like that. So it's been a changing industry, definitely, and it's been a privilege to be on a lot of the cut, cutting edge part of it.
0: After providing Atlanta dining advice and advice on how to make the most out of the NAMA show, we visited the convention floor in Atlanta, asking operators what blew them away at the 2023 NAMA show. Here's what Kim Morose of DAC Total Refreshments had to say.
3: As an operator, what really has stood out for me so far is the mini kiosk that Par Level has to offer. So I'm kind of disappointed it's not going to be ready till December because it is super cool. I would be buying it right now.
0: Charlie Giacona, I like it from Continental Canteen. Charlie, what have you seen at this show that blew you away, that really impressed you? One particular product or exhibit? We saw some salads in jars. Yeah, 11 Day Shelf Life that I think is going to be a product that can help us bring some healthy options to some of our consumers. Really innovative, great packaging, healthy. It's gonna stand up in our trucks, stand up in our markets. Uh, I think that so far is something that's really standing out to us. All right, I'm with Carrie Werner, Corporate Coffee Systems. Carrie, is there anything that really impressed you at the 2023 NAMA show?
4: The new Evoca machine,
0: yep. the smaller size machine, uh, the symbol. Uh,
4: Borg's new technology that they have with their water cooler, we're all about. Yep,
0: I, I have to agree with you. So, Borg and Overstrom, we really like that technology loved it. Arthur Siller of Evergreen, a regular on vending in OCS Nation. What have you seen at the 2023 NAMA show that's really blown you away and impressed you? I mean, the first thing
4: is that that I'm happy about and as impressive as the attendance. You know, this feels like 2019 again. Everybody's excited. It's vibrant. You know, these, these partnerships feel like they're alive, which is really the first thing that makes me happy. The second thing is a lot of the, not just New technology and new people entering the space, but updates to, to some of the technology, you know, the velocity that these things are Im- Improving by is, is nice to see specifically, you know we, yeah. we saw solutions like smart soda, which is really attractive and, and feels like it really Hits a lot of our needs, right? You know, we we start with our client needs and work backwards, right? And and this feels like something really exciting 365 their new solutions for dining are also really attractive and exciting you you know where you can really customize menu ingredients their order ahead solution these are things that employers of a certain size with dining programs are very hungry for, no pun intended. Yeah. So, so I'm very happy to see those sorts of things. And then again, amongst the other providers out there, there's lots of new equipment, lots of new offerings, and, and, and enhancements to, to how to generate revenue. It's been nice to get back to networking and getting to talk to people and share ideas.
0: We also looked at the determination that's required and the success that comes after plenty of hard work. Melissa Brown of Wellbeing told us about her journey.
2: It took about four years to finally pay myself. It was lots of debt, lots of trade and barter, uh, lots of hustling to figure it out. But after four years, it really started to take off. We had a great footprint, we had a great team, and we grew the business from about $300,000 in revenue to just under $3 million in revenue in three years.
0: Determination sometimes means doing whatever you have to do to succeed. Dan Welsh of World Cup Coffee and I discussed how we managed to navigate through the days of not being able to officially buy and sell Starbucks coffee. Shh, whatever you do, don't tell Starbucks about this. I couldn't get Starbucks coffee, and it was at the L.A. market, and everybody wanted it. I got to a point where I was going to a Starbucks store, and buying in five pound bags, literally hundreds of pounds. This store manager probably got trips to Hawaii and his bonus for selling. And he didn't even <laughs> want to know where it was going. I mean, literally we'd go up, pull a van up and buy like 300 pounds of Starbucks coffee once a week. And we hey, were, you find a way. You, do, you, find, you a way. find a way. When you're a small business, you find a way. We had a side business on the Oregon coast that was three hours away, and uh, I'm sure the statute of limitations are gone for any bad behavior for Starbucks. <laughs> uh, we used to buy it there and bring it back into the Portland market. Absolutely. So I think you're you right. find a way <laughs> to make customers happy by hook or by crook. It was a busy year when it came to acquisitions. I talked to industry-leading business broker Mike Kellner. All right, Mike, is it my imagination, or is there more merger and acquisition activity than ever right now?
5: Well, it, I don't think it's your imagination, Bob. I think the reality is there. there is just a tremendous amount of activity, and it's, it's driven by two things. And the first is this tsunami of baby boomers that are retiring. I mean, literally, there's tens of thousands of baby boomers looking to retire every week as we speak here. And and it's estimated that that is that will be the largest transfer of wealth in human history: the sale of all the businesses and investments that these people own, uh, being transitioned to the next generation or to new owners. So, the other thing that's happening is that there's a great deal of capital out there chasing opportunities. There's more money in private equity today than there has been, as in my history at least, and all looking for places to put that money.
0: Even though it's not a cooking show, there was a lot of talk about secret sauce.
6: Here is CJ Wrecker's
0: recipe. What's really the secret sauce, would you say, at Five Star? What's made the company successful?
6: One of the words that's coming to mind right now is grit, just that innate, deep down desire to do whatever it takes to, to get the job done, and then humility. I think that's a, a trait that across the board at at Five Star uh, in almost every position and level. Like no one's too big to do any specific role, and we're all as much as we can be. You know, as being as big as we are, you know, rowing in in the same direction. Not to say that there's not people challenging each other because that's also good for the organization. But there's just a strong belief in what we're doing, and yeah, just that desire to to serve the customer, bring your best every single day. Dan Welsh had his formula. What's the
0: secret sauce at your company? What makes World Cup successful? I, I'm really good at HR and treating people like family and treating people responsibly, having expectations of them, as well as simply saying thank you. And telemarketing guru, Amanda Popo had her take on
3: it. Secret mm-hmm. sauce. And to me, it's four or five things. It's, it's authenticity. It's proper follow-up. It's a thick skin, solid strategy. None of it is really rocket science. It just takes those attributes to get the door open, but also to know when to say next, to be able to say, all right, you're not my prospect for the next six months at least, maybe for the next year, maybe ever, but it's properly qualifying, engaging, being authentic, asking smart questions, listening, and then setting up a meeting
7: only when it makes sense.
0: We talk to the world's foremost experts on LinkedIn. First, Donna Cerdula, the profile expert.
7: The goal is that you can collide with opportunity; that the right people will find you, and your and your your phone will ring. The only way, though, to do that is it's the it's the no like and trust theory. It's it's the whole concept of drip feed marketing. It's the idea of of showcasing your why, and 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 letting letting people understand who you are and why you do what you do and why it matters and what you stand for and what is your passion you know it's 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 really opening up and and what i love so much about linkedin is it's this fabulous excuse <laughs> excuse me a right. challenge a reason to get deliberate deliberate about your goal you know why why are you on linkedin Why are you doing what you're doing? Who is your target audience? How are you helping them? You know, what is it that they need to know about you? Like, and we say this, Bob, like, and and I know there's a lot of people who are like, yeah, I know this, but do you really, have you really sat down recently and thought about this?
0: Then Bryn Tillman, the engagement
2: expert. The right content, the content that's compelling, that's going to help them to truly attract, teach, and engage the right audience, early enough in the sales process is the winner. You're the one that's impacting their research. And Corporate Visions did a study. 74% of buyers chose the company or sales rep that was first to provide value and insight. Three quarters of the people are working with the people that influenced them first, not that had the lowest price. So you know, that, that's the significant shift in the buyer's journey. I'm not getting the phone call. They're researching. And if I'm the one that's compelling, that's getting them to go, ooh, I want that. And I earn the right for them to reach out to me. I will get the sale. So that's the difference. We need to be where the buyer is, which is online consuming insights that will help them make their decision.
0: In our comprehensive episode that covered cashless payment systems. We asked Evan Jerecki of Gimme
6: what operators should think about when choosing a
0: cashless payment solution.
6: If I put myself in the shoes of an operator and think about what they should focus on most, it's speed and uh, and reliability. So making sure that we're giving the consumers all of the options available to be able to pay. Thinking of the demographic does make sense, but in general, I think it's safe to assume that having a uh, cashless on the machine, number one, and then being able to mobile pay and tap to pay is key for, for making that sale happen. And then on the hardware side and thinking about how do I make sure that the consumers are always able to make that purchase, it's, it's really going to be consistency on uptime for those 5G LTE connections, making sure that it has the most reliable, the fastest connection to all of the locations where I have cashless placed. And then in addition to that, having the the remote DEX information, making sure that we always have the right products at the right time for the consumers that are buying so that there are less stockouts when they get there to go make that purchase. We
0: traveled to the coffee, tea and water show in Indianapolis and the microphone was busy. I asked the primary question, what do OCS operators need to do to succeed in 2024? Here's a classic response from Linda Saldana. Getting back to basics, was a popular theme at the show. Linda, what do coffee service operators need to do to succeed in 2024?
7: Clean, clean, clean.
0: <laughs> that's your that's your comment. Absolutely. Clean, clean. You want to expand on that?
7: Yeah, I mean, I recently when
6: I've gone into new accounts or just going to meet people, I mean, all you have to do is like open the shelf up or look at a drawer and it's so disheartening. that's a very simple step yeah so i think it's been overlooked by our industry to be honest
0: and then let them know that you did it yes yes also at the show consultant oren hubner and i talked about his belief that operators are leaving money on the table
3: and we're going out there to change a filter for free and not charging enough for the rental everybody should be doing it they should be looking at quarterly filter changes we should be looking at telling the story to the end client that we're here for you. And part of that is good water. Part of that is health concerns. And so I think that goes with the periodic maintenance with the ice machines twice a year. That's a fee charge. Flushing, think about flushing your lines for your kombucha. Those Mm -hmm. should be flushed every month. It's bacteria. Sure. And we're not doing it. We're not doing it enough. Two lines, there's no reason you can't get $80, $85 to flush. Your cost is minimal. And if you get the schedules correctly, you can do one, two, or three. You could change a filter, flush lines, and do a periodic maintenance in one trip, which really now your employee cost, your labor cost is minimal for all three of those. It all falls to the bottom line. It's incremental profit at that point. Too many people are focused on new accounts, instead of what can you do with your current client base? And there's so mm-hmm. many options that out there, whether it's water machines, ice machines, that's the, the biggest thing you can do today, is take your accounts, take a look at what add-ons can you have, they're there. You just have to look for them, embrace them, understand that it's just not a rental for these units. What other things come with those?
0: You like the high-end water approach, getting into the more stylized equipment that becomes much more of an amenity, not the thing that replaced the bottled water.
3: Correct. And you can't overlook that because that is a space that you can bring a return where you're paying your equipment off in 10, 12 months. If you pay off your equipment, your water or ice machines in, 12 to 15 months, again, it it becomes an annuity Mm -hmm. And, and that's paying for itself over and over and over.
0: We looked at the life of an operator. Barry Rosenberg of Vending One told us for some, including himself, this business has a strong attraction. So
1: I have this joke that I like to say that vending is like a virus. I can give it to you. I can give it to somebody else, but I can never get rid of it. I I don't think we can do
0: much else besides this. It's in my blood at this point. It's in your blood. It's what we know. I turned to some industry leaders, having them pull out the crystal ball and tell us what the future looks like. New York was hit hard by COVID-19, and I asked Judson Kleinman of Corporate Essentials, things were going and what he sees for the future his answer might surprise you it certainly surprised me. obviously we've gone through a, uh, a transformation over the last you know three years but I, I do believe strongly that it's it's already we're already seeing it but it, it's gonna it's going to gain momentum where most of the people will be in the office most of the time going forward I, I think within within another year or so if not sooner. We also talked about the future to incoming NAMA chairperson, Tom Stuber. I'm gonna ask you to finish with this. What do you think 10 years from now, how is this business gonna be different?
5: Well, Bob, you know, it, the whole business has always been about giving, giving the people what they want, when they want it, how they want it. And so you can just follow the, the trends. I mean, we try to keep up with whatever people want, but it's hard to, we're probably a little bit of a lagging indicator got to be fast got to offer variety the variety is critical because that people have variety available in all aspects of what they do and and I think we do need to take a page kind of from Amazon that you you have to be able to to respond quickly accurately and you know have it there when they need it and, and keep prices reasonable so you know we're, we're never going to be exactly like these big internet companies but we have to be able to satisfy the demands that they've made our customers come to expect.
0: That's it for now. And that's it for 2023. I hope you enjoyed these excerpts from Vending and OCS Nation. The best of 2023 and the full episodes are available on all of the most popular podcast listening apps. So check it out and please subscribe. Happy holidays and happy new year. Thanks for listening.
2: Until next time. I'm Bob Tulio.